what is off the groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. Couldn't have planned a better weekend of racing if I tried. Started off with another amazing Flat Out Friday event in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, celebrating 115 years of Harley-Davidson. From there, it was off to the Illinois State Fairgrounds for back-to-back -back days of flat track racing. Saturday was filled with a ton of bar-banging action at the smallest track on the circuit. The Bauman brothers took 1-2 in the All-Star Expert class, followed by Robbie Bugs Pearson, who finished third. As expected, Dan Bromley finished atop the box in the AFT Singles main event. Mishler finished just off the box behind Ryan Wells, while his teammate Jesse Janish scored his first Grand National podium on an oval with a second place finish. On Sunday, we moved to the legendary Springfield Mile for the 100th running of this event. Scott Parker was the Grand Marshal, leading around the A-Bate lap and joining several other previous Springfield Mile winners, including the one and only Bill Tooman, who won the event 65 years ago on stage during opening ceremonies. Special guests Parker Norris and Brad Baker also returned to the track for the first time since their injuries to visit with friends and fellow flat track fans. The track was a bit rougher than usual due to the rain earlier in the week, but the racing was as intense as ever. Briarbound was the fastest in qualifying and was part of the four rider pack which separated instantly from the rest of the field at the start of the AFT Twins main event. The other three riders, Carver, Meese, and Smith, spent the 25 laps exchanging the lead multiple times. In the end, it was a last lap pass on the front stretch which gave Smith his 31st Grand National victory, his ninth at the Springfield Mile. He finished .013 seconds ahead of Meese who locked up the 2018 AFT Twins Championship, his fifth title with his second place finish. Jeffrey Carver, who won the race in the spring and suffered electrical issues in his heat race, brings it home in third place after using a provisional start card. Quick turnaround for the riders and AFT staff as we head to Williams Grove for round 16 of the 2018 season. This event will run under the lights rather than during the day as it did last season. This should definitely make for better track conditions as the dirt tends to hold moisture longer without the sun and the heat of the day. With several riders hailing from the Keystone State, this race will be considered a homecoming for many. One of those riders in the singles class, Dan Brownlee, will definitely be looking to lock up the AFT singles championship this weekend. With his generous points lead, simply finishing ahead of second place rider Ryan Wells will all but secure the title. If Bromley is able to win the event, he will also accomplish the flat track Grand Slam in a single season. In the Twins class, this was the event where Jared Meese locked up his 2017 title last year. With the 2018 championship secured, I wouldn't look for him to slow down. He's still chasing the record for most wins in a season, 12 wins set by Ricky Graham in 1993. Jared heads to these final three events with 10 race wins in 2018. If I know Meese, he wants that record. Look for riders like Brian Smith, Kenny Coolbeth, Jake Johnson, and Briar Bauman to challenge him for this weekend. These riders tend to excel on clay half-mile car tracks, and I wouldn't be shocked to see them wrestle another win from the jammer. Earlier this week, we talked with Cole Zabala, a singles rider who apparently used to wrestle a little himself in high school. Though he's only been racing at the professional level for a little over two years, He's now competing with some of the fastest riders in the nation and soaking up as much flat track knowledge as he can in the process. It is by far my favorite name to read during rider intros. Here's Cole Zabala. Hey, hey, who's this? I, I'm asking the questions. This is Scotty Dubler. Who am I talking to? <laughs> this is Cole Zabala. 
calls the ball at number 51. You know what? I uh, I got my phone out and I asked Siri. I said, dial the coolest name in flat track, and then you answered the phone. So, man, it's good to catch up with you. What's been going on? Oh, just, you know, working and trying to catch up from all these races, staying active and working in the garage. I got you. So uh, Zabala is kind of an interesting name. Did people pick on you in school having that kind of name? I mean, I love it, but, it, you know, it just rolls off my tongue. But, you know, I know Dubler is kind of a hard name, and, you know, people have give me little nicknames and stuff like that. What about Zabala? Did anybody give you a hard time? No, no one uh, No one gives me a hard time about Zabala. The only hard thing about it is people, uh, people don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> well, am I saying it right? Yeah, yeah, Zabala is right. I've been called Zembala. Blah, blah. I mean, you name it. You can look at it 20 different ways. All right. I love it. It's, it's a pretty cool name. I really like it. So let's get to know Cole Zabala, number 51. Where were you born? I was born in Boca Raton, South Florida. Wow. How long did you live there? I lived there until I was seven. Then we moved up to where I am now in Collinsville, Illinois. Okay. So Collinsville is just a little suburb outside of St. Louis. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. We're just outside of St. Louis, about 15 minutes. And the only reason I know that is because it's the world's largest ketchup bottle is in your hometown. Yes. Yes, you are correct. So you'll never run out of ketchup? Nope, never. <laughs> I love it, man. That's cool. So <laughs> how, how did the world's largest bottle of ketchup end up right outside St. Louis? I thought ketchup came from like Pennsylvania and Heinz and all that stuff like that. So what's it doing in Collinsville? I'm not sure. I'm I know it's spelled wrong, or how they used to spell it. It's spelled like catsup, C-A-T-S-U-P. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's been there for a long time. Interesting. All right. So basically, you grew up in Collinsville. You said you've been there since you were seven. So how old are you now? I'm 20 now. Okay. What's it like growing up in Collinsville? It's kind of a smaller town. It's got to be a lot different than Boca Raton. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's way slower than the city and beach life of Florida. It's more of a uh, a rule, actually. I'm on the outskirts of town, so there's a bunch of cornfields, bean fields, farmers, and horse ranches, and you know, trees and lakes. It's it's really nice and peaceful out here, except when I'm doing work on my bikes. <laughs> then then it gets a little bit noisy. I can understand that. So when did you start riding motorcycles? How did you get in, interested in motorcycles? So even when we were down in Florida, I. Uh, I just had a, a natural addiction to two wheels. I was always on, on my brother's bicycles, and they were always making me jump these huge gaps on our plastic razor ramps. And uh, and then a buddy of ours down the road had this pocket rocket, and uh, it was like a mini pocket bike. I hopped on that and started riding that through the neighborhood. And then we moved. I asked mom if we can get one, and uh, we didn't have enough room, you know, with uh, being in, in the suburbs. So. Right when we moved up here, I got a bike on that Christmas and uh, started riding. I rode in the snow for, for a bit. That was interesting. Yeah, riding riding motorcycles in the snow is definitely interesting for sure. I guess it would help with your balance and uh, trying to learn how to slide, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely hard, but I enjoyed it. I, I used to ride anytime I could. Rain, shine, snow, anything. Wow. So tell me about your first race then. So my first race, I got my bike in 09. My first race was in a local track called BET where Jeffrey Carver grew up, same district. And uh, I had my KLX 110 there and I 
raced the pit bike class and I was leading the whole thing until the last lap of the last corner and I slipped up a little bit and then the guy in second slipped under me. So that was a that was a tough one to swallow and uh I ended up getting second that, that race. But since then I uh I've had the addiction and I got an eighty five the following year and then that's that's really where everything took off. Okay, so your first race was a flat track, and then you were just hooked right off the bat. Well, it wasn't flat track. Uh, it was like it was a TT hair scramble type thing. So we would run our Navi bikes, like our motocross bikes, on a TT course. Okay, so what number were you riding when you when you rode that first race? Do you remember that? I do. So it was uh, pretty interesting because that bike, I didn't really have a number picked out. It was more like I didn't know anything about racing then. I just kind of rode around in the field in my yard. So I just sticker bombed the whole bike. And uh, I got a sticker kit off online for a 125KX. And the big old monster logo that was supposed to go on the front fender was my number plate, was on my cover plate. So I was number 111 for that race. <laughs> I love it, man. So you just kind of took the tops off the M and made it 111. So that's pretty yeah. cool. Do you still have that motorcycle? I wish. Yeah, I, I don't. I wish I did. I, I've thought about trying to track it down and getting it back, but I don't know where it is. I have no clue. So just a little bit ago, you said you're 20, and, and that just kind of clicked something in my head. I, I'm pretty sure I ran into it at a bar not too long ago, and I'm pretty sure you, you told the guy at the microphone that I was there, and he kind of made a big deal of it. So uh, what was going on that night? We got free tickets to the Cardinals game, and then we heard from my mom, who went to that bar, that um, the guy's into flat tracking and stuff. So we went by and checked out his scene, and then he took us down to the basement area where all of his other bikes were. And that, that guy, he's crazy cool. He's got a turbine engine just sitting right in his warehouse from a plane or a jet boat actually yeah he's got a lot of motorcycles i haven't been down to the basement in quite some time i know he's got a lot of bull tacos you know he's got you know a lot of cool bikes up there in the bar and and that bar is really cool because it's only open the night of the st louis cardinals games right yeah and that was that was like perfect timing so yeah i, yeah, I don't we know how we yeah i was gonna say i don't know how we ran into each other but you know it's a small world that's for sure right so do you ride anything else besides flat track now yeah, uh, I ride motocross, and uh, I try to ride woods as much as I can, which isn't very often, but uh, I ride a lot of sand as well at Ride Organic. It's it's a place about 35 minutes north of me, and they've got sand, they've got motocross trucks, we're building a flat track out there, uh, they've got wood section and uh, turn track, and so I usually just take my motocrosser out there and rip some laps out there so i try to go riding as much as i can and uh lately i've been riding a lot with jeffrey carver so it's been it's been really fun absolutely we talked to nick daniels uh, not too long ago you know a few weeks ago about the ride organic you know and i didn't know much about the compound and and it's pretty cool that you guys are building a flat track so riding out there does that you know you said you ride woods and motocross and, and a lot of sand out there does that help you when you race flat track I believe so. Yeah, I think it. I think it helps in more ways than one. Uh, one I can think of is, is endurance. I mean, getting thrown around on a motocross track is 
kind of like riding a really rough key level like Lima um, or any any other rough up you can think of. But um, also, you know, doing jumps and handling the bike in different scenarios just gets you all around a better and better control of handling the bike, I think. So I really enjoy riding motocross and, and sand helps a lot because that bike's moving a lot. So you kind of have to roll with it and let it do its thing and just kind of ride the bull. Yeah, I think, you know, I think the sand riding, you know, in the woods riding motocross, you all, you have to use your front brake. I think that will definitely help you on a TT course for sure. Do you like riding the TT tracks that are on the circuit? Oh yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. I kind of, I kind of wait for the TT tracks because they're so much fun. Okay. Do you have a nickname? I don't. I, uh, I don't even, I think it should be given instead of, uh, instead of making your own nickname. So I think my nickname's really the coolest name in flat track. <laughs> yeah, and that's quote. it. That's, that's <laughs> your tagline. I love it. So I love yeah. it. So uh, what do you do when you're not racing? When I'm not racing, I'm working on bikes or I'm working at the shop or I'm working, doing yard work for people, trying to make that extra money, you know, to go racing. I'm in the gym, I'm running the back roads, you know, doing everything I can to advance my racing and, you know, just follow the dream and live it up. I got you. So I, I, I follow you on social media and it seems like you're in the gym an awful lot. How do you, how do you make time for that? Cause don't you work a, a, a full-time job also? I am full-time. Uh, I work from eight thirty to six thirty and seven thirty every day. And until the day or the night we leave for the AFT races, um, so getting time for the gym, I get home from work, go right into the garage and work on the bikes and service the bikes and uh, get them ready for the national. And then about 9.30-ish, 10 o'clock is when I get done in the garage. So I get my gym clothes on, go up to the gym, hit an hour and a half there and come home and go to bed, wake up the next day and do it all over again. That's awesome. It sounds like a, a really good routine that's dialed in. So who travels with you to the races? It's pretty much just me, my brother, and my mom. My brother Kyle and my mom Beth. We're, we're a trio. So is your mom the head mechanic, crew chief? She is the crew chief. She makes the rules. <laughs> Kyle <laughs> changes the gears and stuff like that. And um, I, I do uh, basically all of it. You know, I kind of give Kyle most of the work and whatever whatever is left over or that needs to be done you know I I step in and and help got us along okay I got you so let's talk about your career uh, it's kind of been a short one because you're one of the new pros but you you turned pro in 2016 uh, my first question is how hard was it to tr transition into the pro ranks coming out of the amateur ranks is that is that really a big step it was it was it was a big step in my my eyes were really wide into the whole new spectrum I was introduced in. I wasn't, truthfully, I was thinking about staying back another year and racing another amateur year and going for the horizon. Because my first actual flat track year that I ever rode or raced a flat track bike was 2014. And uh, I raced District 17 that race, that season. Well, I got third and second in, in the championship classes. And then the following year, in 2015, I won the championships in both 
and then went from the horizon and then that's when price and avery and uh all those other big dogs were going for it so i got sixth and fifth in the uh in the national series so i decided to make that step up after nick daniels told me uh you might as well just step up and, and roll with them instead of staying back. So I went up with all those guys and, and just been learning from them and from everybody above them. You know, I'm constantly learning and, and trying to trying to learn as much as I can since I'm only, you know, four years into flat trash, flat tracking as a whole. Do you regret that decision or are you happy with where you're at right now? Oh, I'm so happy. I, I uh, made that that jump, so I'm right where everybody else is. I think I've grown tremendously because you're not going to get faster riding with slower guys, and you're not going to learn riding with slower guys. You know, you have to you have to ride with the faster guys to uh, to learn, even if you know it's just riding next to them or talking to them and asking them questions. Right on. So in 2017, you ended up 18 in point standings. It seems like at the end of the year, you really got going. Uh, were you happy with your performance in 2017? Yeah, I was I was really happy with how I ended the season in 2017 from coming off of a broken femur in, uh, in late January, February. And, uh, you know, I've got 8th, 9th, 10th, 13th, 15th. And my best finish was a was an eighth, and I got that a couple of times. So I rounded out the season pretty solid, I would think. Right on. So you had surgery at the end of last year. What was that all about? So I was out motocrossing and uh, training for Daytona, and I cased a double. And uh, you know, I went up, landed wrong, and honestly, I only remember half of it. And um, all I remember is going up the jump, casing it, and then waking up at the bottom. But, um, yeah, I broke my femur and uh, right in the middle got surgery. And, you know, with that surgery, I went to Barnes, and they said it was it was weight-bearing. So right when I got out of surgery, I could, I could walk if I could stand it, could stand the pain. So what I did was I got my, got my, uh, my walker and went right into the hole and started doing laps five hours after surgery. Wow. That is incredible, man. So uh, I, 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 I'm trying to take that all in. Just right after surgery, you're already riding a motorcycle. So that's, uh, that's dedication right there for sure. So let's talk about 2018. Right now you're currently sitting 31st in the point standings. You've made three main events this year. Are you going to go to the last three rounds? Yes, I will be. Uh, I'm going to be – I'm actually prepping bikes tonight and uh then heading to the gym so it's it's been i would i would say it's been a rough year for me just because um i've had a lot of bad luck with you know i've won heat races and i've gotten top five in semis and put myself into a uh a great area to be, to do good in that night and then just something happens you know it's i don't know if it's my luck or what but uh you know, we keep fighting and keep pushing the envelope to uh, to win. You know, that's what I want to do, and I won't stop until I until I win. So we just got off the Springfield weekend. It seemed like everything was going really good at the short track, and I don't 
you know, what happened later on in that night? Cause I, I didn't seem like you had the results that you were looking for. Right. So in Springfield, we went from qualifying one was 23rd and then finished it off overall in 12th, gained quite a bit of time and, uh, got second in my heat race, which is, which was great. And, uh, had a good heat race and then the semi got a bad start and kind of got surrounded by everyone else. And I got bumped and banged between four guys and there's really nothing I could do. I, I went down and I think Dawson was right behind me, Schaefer, and that's when he went down as well. But, um, yeah, that's where my, uh, my night ended and, uh, Springfield mile was the next weekend. So I kind of had a, or the next day, so I had to get that out of my head and move on to the next. So talk about the mile. You got to ride in the production twins class. What were you riding, and how did you uh, how did you like riding on the Springfield Mile on a twin? Daryl Bear called me a few days before we left and asked if I found a ride yet, and I, I told him no, and he offered his bike to ride, and I immediately jumped on it and sent in my paperwork, sent in everything, and and I was so stoked. I got a call and, um, it was the most exhilarating, fun race of my life. I, I had a blast. So to somebody that's never raced on the Springfield Mall on a twin, what was so fun about it? Um, I'm, I'm a speed freak. I love going fast. And, uh, this, anybody knows Springfield or has watched Springfield, it's fast. So, for me, I love being at 125. I don't know how, how fast we're going. I know that the fastest is 138, so I'm kind of just guessing here. But just at that speed and being so close to everybody and feeling the draft for the, for the first time, feeling the draft, and uh, it, was, it was a bunch of fun. Adrenaline rush for sure. Were you happy with a sixth-place finish in that class? Yeah, yeah, I was really happy with that. Um, I feel like if I if I got off to a good start and I was with that lead pack for for the first few laps, then um, then I, I I think I would have I would have been right there with them. We put on a new edge tire for the, for the main, and it took three laps to to break in. So I think that caused the distance, and I feel like I was reeling reeling them in, and then I lost them again. So if I got off a better start right off the bat and uh i think i could have been with them but we live and learn write down notes and and hit them next hit it hard next time what's been your your highlight of the 2018 season so far um the highlight of 2018 at at a non-national was getting second at the Donnie bargman memorial race at uh Pekin, illinois it was a local short track and it was it was so much fun the track was awesome. Bike came was great, and I had so much fun. I battled from the from the back row. I had a bad heat race, so I battled from the back row and and made my way through the pack and got second in that one. But as national, I would say it's got to be Springfield Mile. Right on. So so who beat you at the uh, Donnie Bargeman Memorial Race? Bronson Bauman. So, see, you're racing up there with, you know, some of the best riders in, in the world. And, and at non-nationals, sometimes the, the AFT singles guys race with the twins guys. Um, 
And like back to what you were talking about earlier, from riding with those guys, the fast guys, you get to learn some stuff. So did you catch up to him, and did you get to learn anything by racing with Bronson and some of the other fast guys that night? Yeah. Um, from starting off last, I, it took a while to, to catch up to him. So I caught him at the last – I didn't catch him, but I passed for second on the last lap. But um, if we had a few more laps – Maybe I could have I could have caught up to him and gave him a run for his money, but learning on the bike and learning where where he chose to go on lines and and every other rider learning where they chose and and then looking at the track after the race and seeing how the surface changed and where the lines were and where I ended up running and uh, you know it all kind of feeds back into the mind, write it down and and as the night goes on for the next race you look at the track and if it's the same then you know where to run right on so i think if i remember right you've trained with johnny lewis a little bit what was your biggest takeaway from from training with him training with with johnny was awesome i'm trying to uh i'm trying to get down there for a, a longer stay this this go around until daytona but uh training with johnny opened my mind to uh, to the mental side of racing and what it, what it takes mentally to prepare for the races. And, um, also nutrition as, is another big thing that Alicia opened up to me. And, you know, we, we discussed nutrition and, and what, what to look for on labels and, and everything like that. So, um, nutrition and, and men- mentally preparing for races on and off the bike on, and at the track so those are those are the biggest things i took away right on i've talked to you in the pits before and you said you listened to our our podcast so what do you think about off the groove i think it's awesome um very entertaining to uh, to listen to um you know it's it's great to to hear what other riders talk about where they grew up or, or how they think their season has went and um, what they do in the off season, learning on their backgrounds, and you know, just learning about new people. I'm I'm very social. I like being social and talking to people. Um, it might not seem that way at the track since I'm so kind of closed off and uh, focused, but um, yeah, I'm I'm very social. So I uh-huh. like hearing other people's perspectives. Cool. Tell me something I don't know about Cole Zabala. Oh, um, did you know I was a huge wrestler in high school? No. Tell me more. Yeah, I was a big wrestler. Love wrestling. It's my second favorite sport. Um, I didn't really, I wrestled in seventh and eighth grade, but I really didn't get going until, until my freshman year. And, um, I wrestled freshman and JV on, on my freshman year, went undefeated on JV and then wow. um, sophomore year, I got some varsity matches at a tournament and uh, got some wins, mostly losses. Went back the next year and uh, really prepared and trained in the offseason and open gym and went went to sectionals. And my record ended in 43-18. and 18. And then, wow. yeah, went to went into racing. It helps in racing as well and also all aspects of life how i train how hard i push myself 
how I know when to stop pushing myself so I don't get sick or it I learned a lot about my body and how hard I can push myself in, in wrestling but in my senior year I went to sectionals again and was I was one match away from making it to state and I lost in overtime but um I went 45 and, and 12 my senior year and uh I beat a Georgia state champ and uh you know i only ever been pinned five times in my whole wrestling career so i don't give up man that's awesome that's good stuff i did not know that about you so that's cool what are your plans for next year silly season is upon us yeah so next year is uh pretty open right now um i'm getting my resume finished up and getting everything sent out um you know talking to people being really social networking kind of tying off the 2018 year we're going for it in 2019 so i'm building well i'm not building but um redoing my my bikes now we're gonna go down to johnny's and, and train for a while however long that is i know i'm just gonna go down there so if i can go down there for a month two months three months that that'd be awesome but Man. i'm looking i'm looking to get my top fives and my wins next year Right on. Sounds good. So now we're at the part of the episode where we call it Graham's question. And that Graham is my grandma who follows racing and she's probably more of a flat track fan than anybody I know. But she said, you've had an impressive first couple seasons racing professionally. What does a typical day during an off week look like for Cole Zabala? A typical day and an off week, it is always work. Um, working either on fitness i'm working in my shop at work or i'm working in my garage and then um working out in the gym or you know just staying busy i love being busy i don't really like to sit around that much i do have some days where i need to to relax but um i'm mostly just you know i'm on it all the time so you said you work in a motorcycle shop during the day and then you come home work on motorcycles some more and then you go to the gym <laughs> Yeah. Love it. Which motorcycle shop do you work at? I work at Metro Motorsports in O'Fallon, Illinois. It's eight minutes down the road from me. It's uh, it's a great shop. Love everybody I work with. Uh, we deal with Polaris. We deal with Indian motorcycles. We deal with Kawasaki on and off road. And we also deal with uh, slingshots and a little bit of victory. Right on. So you're in the service department, parts department, do you the floor cleaner? What do you do? Um, I've been everywhere in that place. I've been in sales. I've been in uh, service. I've been in parts. I've been the detailer and the guy when I started off. Right now, I'm in, I'm in the service department. I'm a technician. So, you know, I do a lot of the in and out jobs, oil changes, tire changes, um, brake flushes, brake pads, all, all that stuff. Since I really I only have about four days in a week. Sometimes I have a whole week to do projects, so I really don't get my hands deep in, in the big projects. Right on. Cool. Now we're at the time of our episode, the part of our episode, I should say, where it's rapid-fire questions. So I want you to tell me the first thing that pops to your mind. Are you ready? Yes. What is your favorite motorcycle you've ever ridden? Ooh. Um... Probably the Kawasaki Twin from uh, Jeffrey Carver's Kawasaki Twin. All right. What is your favorite track you've ever ridden? Old Style Peoria TT. Okay. All right. 
If you could add a track to the 2019 schedule, what would it be? Mm. I would really like to uh, go back to old Savannah, even though that's not possible, but I still love that track. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. That track is so fast. Uh, what's your favorite trophy that you've ever won? Springfield Short Track. Uh, it was a uh, crystal and in the shape of a diamond. It was so cool. I love it. When was that? 2015. It was all-star, all-star race. Okay. What's your favorite place to eat when you're on the road? I'm really, I really like Chipotle. All right. So who's your favorite privateer racer? I've got to give that to, uh, to Jeffrey. Jeffrey's a really good friend of mine and, uh, we click a lot and, uh, he's busted his butt getting to where he is right now. So, uh, hats off to him and I hope he finishes out this season on the box. You know, he's, he's worked so hard for where he is right now. All right. I like that. You mentioned you were a wrestler in, in high school and stuff. If we, if you would have chose WWE instead of flat track, what would your wrestling name be? <laughs> oh, um, oh, I haven't even thought about that ever. That's a good question. Maybe, maybe you can give us an answer on the next next time you come back and and we check you out at the end. You know, when you're up there winning nationals and stuff, you come back and tell us that name. That that works for me. <laughs> so who gets the victory lap when you win your first national? My mom. My mom does. Without a doubt. So a lot of people help Without that make things happen. Yeah, your mom, your mom, your brother go with you on the races. Do you want to say thanks to anybody else while we got you here? Yeah, I'd like to thank Fat Boy Racing. Nick Daniels has done um, quite a bit of stuff for me this year, so uh, I've learned a lot from him, and he's been a big help. Uh, Rod Organic, Terry Myers, and killing it. He's worked his butt off for Rod Organic to get where it is today, and uh, I train out there all the time, and he just he puts in the work, and I put in my work, so we go hand-in-hand together really well. Um, Dr. Chris McCluskey has been doing my chiropractic work through throughout the whole season and I'm feeling amazing. So I got to thank chiropractic works and, uh, his whole team for getting me in line and in shape. Uh, 108 motor ranch. Mark has been a tremendous help this year from the mid season, the whole season, everything. Uh, he's done so many things for me and I just got to thank him. Motion pro Mika metals, Moto Gear, Woody Kyle's done a lot of work for me, so I got to thank him as well. Uh, Settlement Seats, Tom Seymour's done some amazing seats for me, so they they look in tip top. Metrorese Motorsports came in on my program this year and helped me out with a canopy made by Fusion Racewear, and Fusion's also handled all my apparel, and he's done just an amazing job with my t-shirts, my pit shirts, all my apparel. He's the guy to go to if you want anything done. Henson Clutch Components is another sponsor that I, I'd like to thank. Mika Metals, Light Shoe, Top Secret Designs. Stevie Smith also helps me out a lot with uh, my autograph cards. Matrix Concepts and Daryl Bear for helping me out in Springfield, giving me that twin to ride, and hopefully we can work together soon again. I've got to thank my digital listing and James and Philip Raspoli. They've done a lot for me and also other riders as well this year. 
and I can't wait to uh, to work with them again in 2019. And uh, everybody else that's helped me out this season, I really appreciate it. Well, Cole, thank you so much for your time. I know you got to get back out there in the garage, and we're going to see you in Pennsylvania, and best luck to you in the last three races of the year. Awesome. Thank you, Scotty. That was Cole Zabala Zabala. Thanks to Cole for his time during the short race week, and as always, thanks to you for listening. Smash that like button, give us a follow, and tell everyone you can about the podcast. Shout out to Mitch with AFT for mentioning us in the post-race press release following the 100th running of the Springfield Mile. And thanks to Brian Smith for keeping his promise. Made for another amazing flat track memory. I'll see you on FansChoice.tv this weekend from Williams Grove. Talk to you next Friday.